Welcome to Thorn in My Side podcast. I am your host, David Thorn. Today I am here with my co-host, Izzy Brown. How are you today, Izzy? Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I I stopped playing Pokemon Arceus for this? Like, what the f- <laughs> Like, what the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> what are you giggling about? I don't know. Just, this episode 54, man. This uh, is, uh, I guess, uh... A fun time episode. Happy fun time, super suicide kitty cat fun. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. <laughs> all your base uh, are belong to us. Prepare all to your lose base. Your doom. Hey, I've already lost my doom, and then I found it again, which is really awkward. Did you find it at Pinnacle Rock? That's where a lot of people lose their doom. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> Pinnacle, Pinnacle Rock. Rock. A place to lose your doom. Yep. I forgot about that shit. That was back when we were uh, babysitting my grandmother's fucking demon dog, Pumpkin. (laughs) God. Hey, that was the Session 9 time. That was when we watched Session 9 and Jeremy threw up or whatever. Was that when I hid the the picture of Orko or was that a different time? No, that was a different house completely. That was after that. Ah. We uh, we were watching uh, George Poofalicious had to have a poofy. Uh, oh poofy he had to have back surgery or something and so my grandmother had to go to Nashville and we were watching um, dog and we basically just got high yeah, the entire time I remember and that. watched session nine on repeat for two days yes so. I still don't know what that movie's about but if you know what it's that about movie's about email us Thorn in My Side Podcast at gmail dot com don't forget the e. That's important. Thank you, Vanna. Thank you, Vanna. Anyway, uh, yeah, we got a couple articles, I guess. We got some article, some artisals. Artisals. We have something groundbreaking that I just want to go to first because you didn't okay. know this, but then you realize that you did know this. Okay. But we like to talk about it. It's some of our favorite characters on the show. Oh my god! And that's Ben Matlock and Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Yes, because I was uh, I was <laughs> trying to find Ben Matlock fan fiction to see if it was a thing with Ben Matlock and Angela Lansbury, and yeah. fucking murder she wrote gave way to the show Matlock. So That's they're amazing. interconnected even more than we think. It's like they could have been banging this whole time. You know, I, I when you say that you were looking for like Matlock fan fiction. What I had in my head was like, Matt Locke, he's like, all right, so the woman comes over here and she starts jacking me off slowly. And that's like how the fan fiction starts. And then it devolves from there. Uh, I, 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 I picture it more like this. It's like Angela Lansbury sits there and clatters her typewriter keys. The door flings open with the wind blowing through, and Ben Matlock slams it open. And he's like, I'm home, <laughs> woman. And he goes and he throws <laughs> Angela Lansbury down on the bed and rips off her underwear. And he's like, Are you ready for, I don't know, something litigious? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm going to bang my gavel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> And oh, she's God. all like, oh, she's all like, yes, clack my typewriter keys. <laughs> Clap my butt cheeks like typewriter keys. I want to sound, make it sound like I'm typing a script. <laughs> <laughs> 
That reminds me of a Final Fantasy XIV fan fiction that I was sent really? uh, against my will, where the Warrior of Light was, or no, Sir Emmerich was jacking off Catman, who was the Warrior of Light, and he had to use a special glove because the cats had a barbed penis and he didn't want to cut his hand. And I was just like, what the, why the fuck did you send me? Why did you <laughs> think? That's great. I love why it. did you think that I would be, and, and they were like, what, you didn't enjoy it? And I'm like, I didn't say that shit. I just <laughs> said, why the fuck? He's like, I didn't say I didn't enjoy it, but why would you send that? <laughs> I didn't say that I why copiously... Why did you send that and make me realize that I enjoyed that? <laughs> why, why, I didn't know that I needed Catman sex in my life, but now I definitely need Catman sex in my life. <laughs> Catman sex. <laughs> <laughs> Come for the penetration. Stay for ass being pulled out through the back end by barbs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he's like they call me the rose butter what, and i'm like what? don't you mean rosebud he's like no the rose butter <laughs> why do they have barbed penises uh so that when they so that the because cat sex is really like this like violent and the females try to get away and the barbed penis kind of prevents them from being able to do that oh wow that's kind of kind of rough yeah hence the name hence Hence my cat man's nickname, the Rose Butter. The Rose Butter. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> He's like, you're going to go this one way, but you're going to come out a completely different. I'm going to ruin you. <laughs> That's funny. So we're going to learn how Murder, She Wrote played a role in the creation of Andy Griffith's Matlock. Andy when Griffith, who pushed down walls on top of Floyd. <laughs> R.I.P. Floyd. When the Angela Lansbury hit mystery series Murder, She Wrote debuted on CBS in 1984, no one imagined the roaring success the series would enjoy. It would go on for an incredible 12 seasons. Murder, She Wrote's winning ratings brought about another popular drama, Matlock, starring Andy Griffith, <laughs> whose appeal to viewers was no mystery. God damn it. Here's how Landberry series influenced the development of Griffith's second most popular I, show. You know, I, I bet I know how she did this. I bet Angela Lansbury called him up and she's like, I hate the gays. And he's like, I hate them too. She's like, you want to be on the show? And he's like, hell yeah. He's <laughs> like, is there any gays? I'll build a wall and push it on. I'm going to clack your typewriter, Angela Lansbury. I'm going to clack your cheeks like a typewriter, Angela Lansbury. I'm going to make it... <laughs> I'm gonna make it sound like you're doing one of those murder novels every time my sweaty what? old man pelvis murder slaps into novel. your sweaty old woman pelvis. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's gonna sound like they're slapping together two sticks of baloney. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna like, smell like that too. It, it'll be like the flapping noise with like a because of the key hitting her. She's like, that's my capital G spot. <laughs> capital G spot. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sound like a fucking dolphin just then, but apparently that's how funny Man. that was. Just imagine fan fiction with those two banging. <laughs> just like Angela Lansbury at the ripe old age of 109. <laughs> <laughs> Matlock became an instant hit. Griffith's Matlock aired in 1986. The familiarity of viewers with the actor from his self-named 1960s comedy work in Griffith's favor. 
Plus, the novelty of seeing him as a grumpy yet savvy high-priced criminal attorney, Benjamin Matlock, meant ratings gold for NBC. As Daniel DeVise wrote in Andy and Don, The Making of a Friendship and a Classic American TV Show. You know, and they were just like, hey, Andy, do you want to you wanna do the Matlock thing permanently? He's like, yeah. He's like, hire me, the woman, and the black guy, and then we'll put them together and it'll be me. Matlock, contaminating <laughs> crime scenes one after the other. Yes, he was a defense attorney that somehow was always at crime scenes. And, and it's it's kind of funny, too, because, like, if you remember the show, um, like, his helpers were actually in danger, like, a lot. Yeah. Like, I want to go back and watch the show. We should do a series where we sit down and we watch all the episodes of Matlock. Can we please? Can oh, only okay? Yes, but only if only only if we also get to watch Murder She Wrote. I'm down. I yeah, let's do it. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out what in the Peacock we have to stream to, and we'll we'll do it. We could even maybe live stream it. Could that work? You think? Well, so long as yeah, I mean, we could we could basically just spitballing here, but you know, do it like the anime response things, where like you watch the show and then like you react to it. At the same time, yeah, like live reacts. I got you. Yeah, yeah, and we and both of us would just basically be like, <laughs> "Matt, look stupid. He just contaminated the crime scene." <laughs> yeah, <You're> like, hey, <laughs> idiot. Nice job. Yeah, of course you're gonna get your client off. You're at the fucking crime scene, dumbass. He's like, I planted all this evidence. Wink, wink, wink. And the judge is like. Did you say wink three times to your client, Mr. Matlock? <laughs> He's like, objection! <laughs> Matlock goes in there like, like, Mr. Matlock, you can't be you can't be masturbating here and, and coming all over the crime scene. <laughs> you're, con you're contaminating evidence. Yeah, I know I'm on this case. <laughs> He's like the DNA evidence will then point to me. <laughs> and I know I'm innocent. <laughs> I couldn't possibly have been here. I had an airtight alibi. I was banging Angela Lansbury. <laughs> I was clapping her butt cheeks like a typewriter. <laughs> I'm murdered. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, I murdered her capital G spot is what I did. <laughs> That's funny. Oh God, that reminds me of that um, of that time I made that group of people. Where was it? I'm trying to. I, I think I, I think it was Thanksgiving, and it might have been my sister when uh, I did my Aunt B impersonation of uh, Andy fucking Aunt B. She yeah. was not happy with that. She did not like that at all. Oh, and please, I, I please do it now. <laughs> what really? Yeah. Fuck okay. It. Okay. <laughs> Okay, um, here's my aunt. This is my Aunt B impersonation of um, of being fucked by Andy. Andy, what do what do you do? Oh, 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 Andy, Andy, stop, stop it! Oh, Andy, Andy, Andy! Oh, my pies, pies are fucking Andy. They're baking Andy. Oh yeah. That's fucking. I'll be I'll be coming here and watch Andy. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's uh, hilarious my sister did not think so and neither did my nieces I don't know why I think because one was like 8 at the time I <laughs> that's fucking hilarious 
Oh shit. So yeah, um God, Angela fucking Lansbury. Angela Lansbury. Okay, we've we've derailed. Yes, we did. <laughs> anyway, Matlock aired at eight PM Tuesday nights, opposite <laughs> of ABC's Who's the Boss with Tony Danza and Growing Pains, both top ten shows in the nineteen eighty six and eighty seven season he wrote. You know, Tony, that Who's the Boss was always, like, interesting to me. It was like that, that will you, want you kind of thing. He, like, basically worked for that, that woman, and she was kind of, like, really stuck up. And he was all like, hey, I'm going to fuck you sometime. I'm, I'm really good. I, like, I promise that's where the show's going. I'm going to fuck you. Like, <laughs> like, that was just, like, the premise of the show is, like, is he going to fuck her this week? Nope, not this week. Maybe next week. <laughs> I never picked up on that. Maybe that's because I was young and I didn't know about fucking then. Like that, that's what it seemed to me like going back and watch, because I rewatched it like a, a few years ago and it seems like he was just always like hitting. I think they actually maybe did get together. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, our job was to come in a strong second, one of Matlock's producers, Jill <laughs> Steger, told Devise. And we did it forever. We knew almost immediately that this show was going to be successful and was going to continue. Matlock would have many, many crime scenes to contaminate over his many years. I wonder who came first, him or Angela Lansbury? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good good question. Probably him. <laughs> Who's the older it, one? Uh, I you know I don't know, but I imagine that by the time that he was on uh, Murder She Wrote and you know Matlock, he was probably just coming spores at that point. He was like shooting out dust. Yeah, but, dust, but like yeah. powdered milk and stuff. You had to add <laughs> water to fucking get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be like, honey, if you want to get pregnant, I hope you're a squirter. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I found something that makes you gross. <laughs> so, I, well, that and the fact that I imagine him like, like ejaculating spores directly in your face and you become like a clicker like from The Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. All right. According to the author, Matlock finished its premiere season tied for 15th in the Nielsen ratings, and it would place 14th the following year. Motor Murder, She Wrote's success led to Matlock's creation. Murder, She Wrote was a surprising hit, even to its own star, Lansbury told the Los Angeles Times in 1985. That she hadn't expected the show to take off in the amazing way it has. I thought, well, it'll run a season. If we survive well this season and we keep our audience, and I think the chances are very good, we'll undoubtedly be asked to do a third season. Not only you know, was the cast asked to return for a third season, the series provided steady work for its actors for 12 in total. Murder, she wrote, success caught the attention of NBC's president of entertainment, Brandon Tar Tartikoff. The executive was impressed as well with Griffith's performance as a federal prosecutor in the 1984 miniseries Fatal Vision and immediately envisioned the character at the center of a television series, DeVisay wrote. 
The success of Murder, She Wrote, for aging film star Angela Lansbury, had set the networks to wonder what other graying thespians might be ready to plot their own murder mysteries. Matlock's creator, Dean Hargrove, was assigned, along with fellow producer Fred Silverman, to create a new show for Andy. They called it Matlock. I wonder if, like, the first draft was, like, Geriatric Solves Crime. Yes. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Yeah, so, like, the thing about Murder, She Wrote, that always was, you know, kind of a... It's, it's the elephant in the room. It's like, okay, like, bitch, how are you always there? You're a murder novelist, and you're always there when someone just unexpectedly comes up dead, and then it's up to you. To, like, could you imagine and be like, oh, no. I've murdered, someone else has been murdered. And they're like, yeah, we think that what happened was uh, that they fell and hit their head. He was like, no, no, no. I think what happened was there was an old woman standing behind that and she crawled into those air ducts up there. And then she saw the man come in and she thought, well, he must be one of the hosts. And so then she came over and she wanted to give him a little bit of surprise, but then she bashed him over the head with that trophy. And then she took the trophy and she put, and it's like, how do you know all this? She's like, wait a second, I'm not finished telling you how I solved and did the crime. <laughs> <laughs> she was really just killing people and framing them for it the whole time exactly the, the true title should have been like murder she murdered <laughs> so his new courtroom drama enabled Griffith to do something he hadn't done since the Andy Griffith show and that was not have Kill gay Floyd. men touch him <laughs> we both we both reached for the lowest hanging we fruit did. there buddy we did <laughs> We did. I, okay, so so our viewers know. Uh, allegedly, uh, Andy Griffith had a problem with Floyd, actor who played Floyd, being never touch him, except for you know when they were filming or whatever. So apparently, that's something that I've heard. I don't know how true that is. Yeah, only when they were filming those gay sex scenes. <laughs> on the bonus features and, and on the beast on, on the b-roll like fucking andy griffith walks in he's like floyd and he's like is it time for another trim andy <laughs> <laughs> and, and matt looks like floyd i want you to come over here and clap my butt cheeks like a typewriter <laughs> <laughs> I need to go. Well, I want you to come contaminate my crime scene. <laughs> I want you to do to me what I have done to Angela Lansbury. I want you to ruin me, Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, fucking Matt Floyd fan fiction. And then Floyd, it cuts to Floyd, and he like pulls off the top of the barber, you know, where they keep the combs and shit. And he just pours the formaldehyde over his head, and he's like, "I'm ready," and he rips off. I was like, I'm ready for you, Andy. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. That is hilarious. I imagine if Floyd were to pull off his shirt, he would have like those things you put on your nipples to tweak them. Nipple clamps? Yeah, yeah, those. He'd have like, like a pair of those on. He's like, these these haven't been invented yet. They're from the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my god. <laughs> they probably had been invented then. They just weren't like it's like the government, you know, they have all the cool shit now. And the government <laughs> had nipple clamps back then, but they didn't like <laughs> let <laughs> let them go <laughs> until later on. <laughs> yeah, cuz they were scared that if the nipple clamps ever got into the hands of the general public, it would turn all the frogs gay, not just some of them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Oh god, that's fucking hilarious. And they and, and like the nipple clamps are just like wooden clothespins. <laughs> oh shit. Anyway, it, it enabled him to do something he hadn't done since the Andy Griffith show ended in 1968. Starring a hit series. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't have let a gay, not let a gay man touch him. <laughs> since the Griffith show and the actor had been treading water from one show to another. Success on Matlock allowed Andy to finally escape the rut of the previous 18 years hustling from job to job and enduring lengthy spells of no work at all. DeVise said Andy credited Dean Hargrove with turning his career around. Matlock animated Andy's tired frame. What if they would have did a Matlock animated series? Oh, that would have been amazing. And it's just sh- it, like they could have went balls to the wall there. They could have really, really shown him like contaminating crime scenes and like. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> Batlock, two hit spinoffs that came out of Andy's legal drama. What? Can is we go them, deeper down this rabbit hole? It's one of them in the heat of the night because I feel like. I, like probably not, but you, like I get that feeling. Oh, let's go! I don't think it's in the heat of that. Let's. I'm going down this rabbit hole, guy. Go. Let's Are you do following it. with let's, me? This was I'm, from yeah, show. This, uh, by the way, this article is from Showbiz Cheat Sheet. Sorry for not calling that out again. We're 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 going further down the rabbit hole. We're gonna see what two hit spinoffs came out of Andy Griffith's legal drama. Andy Griffith may be most well-known for his 1960s comedy series, The Andy Griffith Show, but he scored television gold again in the 1980s and 90s with the courtroom drama, Matlock. Oh my God, do you know what that sounded like? That sounds impersonation that you do of that kid when you were in high school that did that fart bam, he was like bam, bam. Bam. <laughs> I wonder what happened to him I don't know probably died of COVID anyway let's keep going <laughs> okay anyway starring as a criminal defense attorney Ben Matlock created a character viewers turned in to watch again and again. Before the series sociopathic antics. This sociopathic antics. (laughs) Before the series ended in 1995, however, it turned out a spinoff detective show that then turned out another spinoff series, both running for several seasons. Here's how it all panned out. How Andy Griffith found Matlock. Blah, blah, blah. We'd already read this, right? Wait. As Daniel DeVisse, the author of Andy and Don, The Making of a Friendship and a Classic American TV Show. That's way too long of a book title. It's way it too is. long of a book title. No, it really is. Too much. You, you, need to keep it, you need to keep it simple. It needs to be like, lock, crime, contaminator. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Griffith... Exp- After the 1968 end of the Andy Griffith show took on roles that broke him out of his previous Mayberry Sheriff character that he had personified for so long, Griffith kept busy starring in the 1970 comedy drama Headmaster to another comedy, the new Andy Griffith show in 1971. The police show Adams of Eagle Lake in 75, a 20-episode sci-fi series Salvage One in 1979, and 1980s short-lived drama The Jaegers. What was that first one again? Huh? What was that first one again? 
comedy drama Headmaster. Yeah, I feel like that should be changed. I think they should remake it and call it Throat Goat. <laughs> yes, definitely. Matlock created Jake and the Fat Man. What? <laughs> Apparently so. That is Man, a that's a that's a lot to create. Which one's Jake and which one's the Fat Man? Is Jake the dog? I Huh? Who is I it? Thought Jake, I thought Jake was the tall guy and the Fat Man was the fat guy. Okay, let's see. The detective series Jake and the Fat Man was a direct spin-off from Matlock. In the Griffith series, Jake and the Fat Man's future star, William Conrad, appeared in two episodes as District Attorney James L. McShane. On the spinoff, his character's name was changed to J.L. Fat Man McCabe. <laughs> Could you imagine that flying now, Jake? <laughs> like It would be like Jake and the slightly overweight man. Yeah. <laughs> the slightly <laughs> overweight man. Jake and the moderately sized man. <laughs> <laughs> Jake and the morbid beast, obese individual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. McCabe's Conrad's co-star on Fat Man Joe Penny also appeared on Matlock in three episodes. Jake and the Fat Man appeared on CBS for five seasons starting in 1987. Jake and the Fat Man spawned Diagnosis Murder starring Dick oh, Van Dyke. Oh, yeah. I love Dick Van Dyke. Well, it's like, I don't, do you want to continue? Because that's like, that's yeah. all we needed to know. I mean, so, I think you know. This kind of reminds me. What was that? What was the name of that hospital? Uh, there was a. There was a. General I can't, hospital. There, oh, it wasn't General Hospital. It was like a. Oh God, I can't think of it. Anyway, there's this conspiracy theory that like more than 400 television shows were in the mind of one kid who was Saint Elsewhere. Elsewhere, that in Saint that basically Saint Elsewhere created over 400 different shows. What is Saint Elsewhere? I, I I don't remember. It was like a it was a hospital drama that came on, I believe, in the eighties. I remember that part of it, but I I never watched it. But anyway, something about it. I, I remember reading a conspiracy theory a few years ago that <clears throat> excuse me that uh, Saint Elsewhere actually spawned like over four hundred television shows because of the protagonist and his like mental abilities or something. I don't remember, but Wait, it was a, it was an interesting read. I kind of want to read this. Okay, well let's let's boot it up. Let's, it's better than it's better than that fucking goat that chased down somebody. Yes, much better than that. I'm glad we weren't down this rabbit hole, guy. <laughs> this is what happens when we go down rabbit holes. We go down far enough, and then we get to a great conspiracy theory. So I guess if we find that conspiracy theory, we can read over it. Do you have that? Uh, I can. Let me find it really quick. Um, I know wasn't sharing my OBS this whole time. What I know, right? Saying elsewhere, uh, conspiracy theory. Maybe? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a. You have you you know about the conspiracy theory? Yeah, here the Saint Elsewhere theory that changes TV as you know it. The Saint Elsewhere theory. Right? That's pretty fucking easy to. Here, I'll 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 share this to the old Facebook gato. All right, I'll share my OBS after I pull it up. All right. You shared that on Fauci book. On the Fauci book, yeah. <clears throat> oh, the Fauci book. I'm going to share my OBS. All right. 
Sorry, it's meta now, right? Yeah, the retro network is where we're getting this from. The Saint Elsewhere theory that changes TV as you know it. All right. We're going to... I've never heard of this show, actually. Huh. I think it came on uh, NBC, maybe. Okay. Now, Saint Elsewhere had a great run on primetime television from 1982 to 1988. It centered around Saint Elegus Hospital in Boston and at the time was considered the Hill Street Blues of medical shows. Coming across as a primetime soap opera at times, the show also prided itself on its realistic portrayal of life on the edge of death. Patients didn't always make it, doctors screwed up at times, and the staff's lives weren't just portrayed in the hospital. There was ample time devoted to their personal lives as well. The show featured moments of high comedy and at the same time, pure surrealism. There were stories like the one where Dr. Peter White became a serial rapist before what? being shot and killed by a nurse. What the actual fuck? I kind of want to watch Saint Elsewhere now. Damn. <laughs> yeah, for real. And the sad story of Dr. Wendy Armstrong, who committed suicide after a misdiagnosis resulted in the death of an unborn baby. Yeah, whatever. It was unborn. Yeah, I mean, she's like, you're, you're no worse than abortion, doctor lady. You should have not killed yourself, dummy. Anyway, it's just a TV show. But it wasn't always <laughs> intense drama. As the show rewarded its viewers by referencing other TV shows, like when some of the characters visited the bar Cheers. But it's the final scene of the entire series that may be its most iconic and the crux of one of the most thought-provoking theories in the history of television. Okay, I'm here for this. As the final episode is winding down to its final moments, St. Elegis Hospital can be seen under a light snowfall. The scene then cuts to a 10-year-old Tommy Westfall, who is the autistic son of hospital administrator Dr. Donald Westfall. Dr. Westfall walks in, but he's not a doctor. He's dressed as a construction worker. One of his associates, Dr. Oshlander, too, but in this scene, he's Tommy's grandfather. Westfall makes a comment to Oshlander that he doesn't understand this autism thing. He explains that Tommy just sits there all day long staring at that toy. The toy, it's a snow globe, and inside of it is St. Elegis Hospital. So, the implication is that during the entire run of the show, every episode and every character of St. Elsewhere had only existed in Tommy's mind. With the twist ending, the writers rendered not only their own show a fantasy, but dozens of other shows and characters as well. Okay. Wow. Let me explain. If Saint Elsewhere was all in Tommy's mind, then so was every other show and character that the show crossed over with. Here are some examples of how it works. Saint Elsewhere's character, Dr. Roxanne Turner appeared on Homicide Life on the Street in 1998. Because of that crossover, we can conclude that Homicide was a creation of Tommy's mind as well. Homicide's detective John Munch was moved to Law & Order SVU in 1999, meaning that show was also in Tommy's head 
as are all the various law and order programs since they all take place in a common universe. In a 1985 episode of Saint Elsewhere, Dr. Westfall and Dr. Oshlander visit the Cheers Bar, bringing Cheers and its spin-offs, Frasier and Wings, into the Saint Elsewhere world of Tommy's brain. Cheers crossed over with the John Larroquette show, adding it to Tommy's fantasy. The main character of Larroquette worked at a bus station built by a company called Yo-Yo Dine. A decade later, on the supernatural drama Angel, Yo-Yo Dine was a client of the law firm Wolfman and Hart. Angel was a spinoff of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, so both of them were Tommy Westfall's ideas as well. Okay, this is a... Uh, you could do that with literally anything. So far, over 280 different television shows have been linked back to St. Elsewhere and Tommy's fantasy shows, including I Love Lucy, Leave it to Beaver, Gilligan's Island, The Brady Bunch, Mass, Seinfeld, Home Improvement, Scrubs, Friends, Arrested Development, The Wire, Coach, The Drew Carey Show, Grace Under Fire, Ellen, Six Feet Under, <laughs> Las Vegas, The Office, Heroes, Bewitched, Three's Company, <sighs> and Lost. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite the fantasy world that little tommy westfall created sitting in his chair staring at that snow globe that's awesome that's crazy but that's just like that's a weird conspiracy theory i mean it's all make-believe anyway i mean what does it matter the stuff it does obviously exist because it's out there but i don't i don't get that conspiracy theory i mean i mean i, I, mean, I understand what it's saying Right. But they're basically saying that everything's linked and since the end of it, then he imagined all of it. So all of it was imagined by him. So he okay. So since he imagined Saint Elsewhere and since all of those things came out or spun or crossed over or touched other toes, yeah. Then all of it was in his head. Are we real? No, absolutely not. We're in a simulation. Are we in Tommy's head? I mean Maybe. What's his name? Yeah. That's crazy, man. So yeah, so I wonder how I wonder how Ben Matlock figures into that. Uh, yeah, for real. Does Ben Matlock figure into that? Yes, he does because he was on the article that led us down this rabbit hole. You know it'd be really funny if one of Angela Lansbury's cases ended up being treat like one of someone in like murder she wrote was treated at saint elsewhere then that would mean that yeah that means that that matlock was in tommy's mind too <laughs> fucking angela lansbury clickety clickety clack bitch upper uppercase g and floyd was watching from the closet imagining he was angela lansbury Oh, I wish I was Angela Lansbury right now. I got to tighten my nipple. They're <laughs> <laughs> from the present now, though. Yes. I got these from the government. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I got a poor formaldehyde all over myself. <laughs> oh, God. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Holy shit. <clears throat> oh, that was fun. Oh, shit. Where, where to go from here? Okay, so what else have we got here? We've got the... Okay, I sent you some articles. We've got... The, the Jungle Law firm. Yeah, jungle, jungle Law Firm. I don't feel like that's a deep enough dive. I mean, we can go into it. I mean, they look weird. 
They they do. So I don't. For those of you in the Midwest, you guys have either have seen the billboards for Jungle Law. Uh, there, there's some really crazy billboards and people, there's actually an article here. Is the jungle law group, a law firm or a reality TV show? Yeah. I wonder, I guess we're reading it now. This is from the pitch. Candace, Kansas city's independent source for news and culture. Fade in interior jungle law office group day. We open on a circular table in a glassy conference room seated around a table are five individuals, an unsavory journalist, and four members of the Jungle Law Group. <laughs> that guy in the middle, though, he does kind of look like Tarzan. He does. I mean, I, I would smash, definitely. <laughs> There's Tristan Woods, the late 30s, long, flowing, blonde hair, crisp shirt, Fabio at the office. <laughs> Besides him, his wife, Lauren Krushkal, Mid-30s, longer-flowing black hair, black pantsuit, movie star makeup looks very much like the former cheerleader that she is. Flanking the happy couple, Donna Woods, mother of Tristan, late-50s poofy blonde hair, leopard print blouse, a little bossy. On the other side of Tristan, Karen Woods, mother of Donna, and grandmother of Tristan, nearly 80, a little baddie. Wow. <laughs> What the shit? That's crazy. <laughs> so. The billboards, whose idea was that? Unsavory journalist, the billboards, whose idea was that? Cut to exterior Kansas City Interstate 35 at rush hour. We have a billboard swinging into Kansas City soon. Cars whizzing up and down the highway. The camera pans up and we see a billboard. With a green tropical forest background, Tristan shirtless and Lauren leopard print bikini are hanging from the trees. The big yellow text on the billboard reads, swinging into Kansas City soon? <laughs> Back to Interior Jungle Law Group Office Day. We wanted to prevent something unusual to Kansas City in a way of getting attention for the law firm. You see them on that billboard and you think what is this for is it something with the zoo a movie and so it built some anticipation can can you imagine that, was that reaction They're like yeah we wanted to put something on the billboard you think what is it for is it something for a zoo a movie we've not yet had a call to the law firm because no one knows what the fuck we are yeah exactly and when we decided to move back here from Miami, I knew I wanted to stop practicing law, yeah? I grew up here, Lake Lotawana, Lee's Summit, and I went to Rockhurst College. I don't know why he sounds like he's fucking Australian now. But I hadn't lived there in 13 years. I don't know anybody, and people call me Tarzan my whole life. I've always had long hair, and I figured a good way to get my name out would be to call myself Tarzan, the lawman, and I'll put elephants and monkeys and all kinds of stuff on my billboards, and people say, well, just let us try, and we thought it all up in our own. We're trying, we're trying to reach out to a younger generation, and it's working, getting lots of media attention and local, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to read normal. It's like, <laughs> it says their names. It's like we're fucking acting. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like a script. Yeah, it's like it, a the, script. Uh, 
It, it, it really it really does it says donna tristan Don, like it's written as a script so we should have uh, got more people to get in and just read this uh, that would have been great that have been fucking so, so yeah it's just like this really cool law firm they they apparently they get they do really well for themselves yeah um and i saw some of these billboards as we as i was going to omaha um and i just thought that they were so interesting because they're funny yeah. They're super funny billboards. Yes, they are very funny. It's just like, is that for real? You could see yeah. that this, this it could be a reality TV show, but yeah, yeah, it could it could very you know actually that might be a good a good form of revenue for them. Imagine that they did a reality TV show that was actually about this law firm. With that, that you, would be a. That they they look like they'd be in for it. Well, and they they kind of if you like they kind of look like the kind of people you would expect. Do you remember back a long time ago? Um, what was that name of that show? Uh, it was really really popular, and it was about like a repossession company. Uh, Lizard Lick Towing. Yeah, 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 that yeah. Ain't that real. That's fake. I know it's not real, but that's what I'm saying. It looks like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that that's how they look. They look like a, I don't know. I actually really liked Lizard Lick Towing. I thought that was a really that was a really good. That was a good show. I don't know. It's like I don't that. Know if and, good's a good describing word for that show, guy. It it's entertaining. Entertaining. Like watch, okay, we'll say entertaining because like not everything it, entertaining is good. That's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I one time watched someone fall down a flight of stairs. It was wildly entertaining but it wasn't good no um it was yeah i know what you mean just like oh it's like glad it ain't me you know the other um what was there was another show that was i think on that same network it was something about like a, a pawn shop but it was like they were in michigan and everyone there was an asshole yeah it was like a father and a son and a daughter and like the father the son and daughter kept fighting with each i can't remember the name of it but it, like I remember, it just I just remember it took place in Detroit, and the dad's name was Les, and it was really entertaining. WKRP it, in Cincinnati. No, this is like a real pond place. Oh, that's in Detroit. Uh, you said Les, and I thought of that show. I'm stupid. And we're You're talking about like, reality TV show. Sorry. Guys. <laughs> You're like no, it's fine. It's, it doesn't it doesn't shine badly on me at all. It shines badly on me because I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're like Chicago and Detroit they're kind of the same place they're both shitting <laughs> now I've just pissed off our listeners in Chicago and Detroit I'm sorry guys <laughs> but you live in your city you can't tell me it doesn't suck I mean I've never been there but I've only heard stories I'm sure that I would go there and be like you know this isn't as bad as people say it is so I've been to Chicago yeah, like I, I, I liked my time in Chicago, but then again, um, I, I, I mean, I went there for uh, a concert, so you know, I was. I mean, there are different parts of Chicago. I'm pretty sure Chicago is a big city. It's a huge. It's gigantic. Yeah, it's gigantic. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I while I was there, I woefully underestimated how far 21 blocked is. Really. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I found like a really super rare game at a GameStop, and I was like, I'm gonna go get it. And then, yeah, I, I really, really underestimated how far it was. Dang! Did you have to like walk or get an Uber? No, I took the L. Ah. Uh, 
the L. I, man, I think, like, okay, so this is my hot take. Every fucking city ever needs an L train. All of them. Like, every, just every one of them needs it. It's nice, dude. It's so convenient. Regional transit. Yeah, there's a lot of that out here. We got the light rail in Sacramento to uh, take people back and forth. And that's where you see all the interesting shit happen because light rails, like, got, got a lot of homeless people congregate around there and do crazy shit there. I worked with this lady that said she almost got thrown under the train by what? by a mentally ill homeless person at the light rail station. Yeah. You know, actually speaking of ads, I saw an ad at a subway. I think this was, this might've been in New York, but I'm not sure. But uh, the ad was on the opposite wall of the subway, right? And it says, come a little closer, I believe is what it said. And it was an advertisement for a fucking funeral home. That's, hilarious hilarious i love it <laughs> i fucking love it oh. i mean you get you get your point across is our speaking of trains is ours about to pull into the station um yeah we could uh we could go a little longer okay i had no idea how long we've been doing it now i i did find an article about a goat okay let's fucking fuck with that goat article did you send me the facebook Fought you book. Let me get it. We go into the face space. I think it's the first article. Uppity up up. That's not it, is it? Wait, let me see. No. No, it's not. That's not it. Oh. First article. It, you'd already said. Oh, the wait. Oh, keep going. No, no, Whoa, oh, oh, oh. did we We didn't do that one, but we can do let's do that one if you want to. You want to? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is a fun one. This is from Fox News Channel, so you know it's legit. Yeah, it's probably exactly 100% real. Yeah. New York man bursts into flames after being tasered, report. He shouldn't have been made from straw. <laughs> Jason Jones, 29, in intensive care in Syracuse Hospital, report says. 29-year-old upstate New York man who covered himself oh. in hand sanitizer burst into flames after police used a taser on him, according to a local report. That's fucking metal as fuck. What? Oh, I want to know. Jason Jones had entered the village of Catskill Police Department last week and got into a confrontation with officers. The Times Union of Albany reported police told the paper that Jones, who was known to them from previous encounters, appeared intoxicated and officers used a taser to subdue him. I think they were afraid he was going to hurt himself, and that's what started it, Chief Dave Darling said. There are still details that we're trying to develop. You know, what a perfect name, Dave Darling. Yeah. It was unclear when Jones poured the hand sanitizer over himself and whether the officers witnessed him do it. Jones is in an intensive care unit at Upstate University Hospital in Syracuse, according to the paper. People familiar with the matter told the paper that his condition is grave. The incident is under investigation by the Greene County District Attorney Office. So, so this guy covered himself in hand sanitizer, ran into the police station, got tased, and got set on fire because of all the hand sanitizer on him. I mean, that's what it sounds like. But, like, why would you cover yourself and hand sanitizer like what kill germs well no i get that but like but why would you like what oh there's video oh is there 
Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, there's video. Uh, all right, Let, let's let's just buy that. We always find a way to persevere. We as conservatives, um, we're not listening to that garbage. Yeah, don't. Yeah, I, I sent you another link. Um, with apparently the video oh. attached. Okay, it's on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh. Let's watch it. We get to watch yeah, it. Yeah, here we go. Watch a man burst into flames. Yeah, here we go. Ready, kids? Not it really, but here we go. Mommy's. Oh no no no! I don't want to. I don't want to listen to anything that Fox News has to say. Is this Fox News? No, I'm just guessing. It's from their. Yeah, it's from their thing. All right, here we go. Is that the hand sanitizer there? I guess. So they were scared that he was a threat to himself, yeah? I guess. I mean, he seems pretty drunk. Or he's just, you know, having a manic episode. Who knows? Well, yeah, but they said that he was intoxicated, right? Uh, Probably. You're like, I don't remember what I read. I don't. I'm not Angela Lansbury. Yeah. This is uh, the, these two cops <laughs> are sitting back here chilling. You're like, I'm not Angela Lansbury. If I could remember what I read, then my hit TV show wouldn't have failed. What is he trying to do? I, I don't know. Where's the hand sanitizer at? It's, that's got to be. It has to be on that table. That it has is. to be the hand. So, like, what is he just gonna like pick it up and dunk it all over himself? I guess I don't know. And then Floyd is in the closet masturbating. Yeah. Oh wait, he's a two-way mirror. There we go. Okay, so dude's just stripping. This, yeah. This is crazy. It's in the front lobby. This is uh, going on pretty good while. He's just. So, I mean, it's just like they're very, they're, they're trying to de-escalate the situation. Yeah. And he is just not having it. What is he doing? Oh, he's taking off his shoe. Yeah. Uh, is he? Yeah. Why is he taking his shoes off? I, I don't know why he ripped his shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I've I've been there, done that. Don't got the t-shirt anymore. <laughs> what happened to it? <laughs> no better shirt. You remember? <laughs> yeah, I do remember. Uh. Poor Mo, rip, rest in peace, Mo Better shirt. Yeah, rest in peace, Mo Better shirt. Too bad. I bet the factory outlet that I got you from don't even exist no more. <laughs> Where did you get it? It's like some Boaz factory outlet. Oh yeah, no, it doesn't exist anymore. Man, <laughs> that was sad because Boaz used to have like some really good deals there, and now it's just a place you go to do math. Really? Yeah, yeah. Or work at Tyson Chicken Plant. Actually, I think those are the thing. I'm not sure. Yeah, fast forward through that. Like, if you, if, if, like, I, I get 
But where's the part where the tan sanitizer gets? So he looks that... like. You could scroll down and see if the if the secondary video is. Is this it? Oh, that, oh here yeah, we go. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. So he's basically just. This so is the great. This is the good shit. We didn't need to see all that other I'm shit. I'm Norm. Just, oh, I'm Saz. Fucking. I'm Norm and I'm Saz, and she can't. He can't get it up no more, and I've just been okay with it for thirty years. It's like I've got a big black dildo, and, and I love pulverizer. it. Pulverizer. Pulverizer. <laughs> no, it's called the Granny G. The Granny G. <laughs> oh yeah, the Granny G. She's like, it pounds my clit to dust. Because I'm not a squirter anymore. Okay. I can't get pregnant. We can, uh, train will be in the station after this. This is, uh. Okay, so is this. So there he is. He's doing this hand sanitizer thing. Yeah, it's about the middle ways, dude. Oh my god, middle ways. Yeah, so right there, he's doing the hand sanitizer shit right there. So I guess they just didn't think about it being flammable. Yeah. But why grab why grab hand sanitizer? Why grab the there? Oh, yeah, I see. What? Oh. Right back, dude. You're so impatient, man. Right oh. there. Right here. A little bit forward. A little bit forward. Somewhere around in there. So. I thought. Wait, did he? Did they already tase him? Is that? No, they couldn't have already tased him. Okay. One of three officers in the lobby puts a stun gun at him and says something before discharging the device. Jones is off camera at this time, but several seconds later go by before a bright light appears in the bottom of the frame and officers back up with shocked expressions on their faces. Ooh. Jones then stumbles backwards, back his shoulders engulfed in fire. So I think this, yeah, this is the EMS team. So this has already happened. You, let me just fucking find it in the video and give you a timestamp. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm bad at this. You are, but that's okay. We can't be good at everything. Like, um, oh, you know, they're showing an ad for cops, man. That's that's messed up. Bad boys, bad boys. Oh, what you gonna, gonna do? What, what you gonna, gonna do when Matlock puts <laughs> Matlock plants evidence after you? Yes. Okay, so it's literally it's literally at 40, 40 seconds. Forty seconds? Yeah. You just had to be patient and you can't do it. Okay, here it is. Oh, he sprayed it all over him. Yeah, he sprayed the hand sanitizer all over him. So then they're going to tase him. Right there.
Oh shit. <laughs> Whoa. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Homeboy's on fire. Oh my god. I love how I love how they bailed. No yeah. one like put the dude out, man. They didn't do shit. Oh, now he comes back out. Oh my god, that's crazy. That is freaking crazy, man. Are what are they doing to him now? Are they cuffing the dude? Like what the fuck? No. We're trying to get him to calm down, but he's just been set on fucking fire. Of course he's not gonna calm down. Yeah, for real. Holy shit. Oh that, my god, that poor man. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Crazy, and, and, man. That so yeah, there that that's insane. That is insane. So, so spoiler alert kids, if you put something on you that is flammable, yes. uh don't go near fire. That's uh that's your PSA for today. Trains in the station. Let's uh, get disappointed real quick, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love being disappointed. Oh, it's the most... That's the, the only appointment it's never late for. <laughs> only appointment you can never be late for is disappointment. All right. Uh, there we go. There we go. We got our disappointment. Thanks for not sending us any emails, listeners. We still love you, though. You got we anything you else? Much. Yes, I do. Uh, we love you guys, and our hearts go out to the people of Ukraine. Everyone over there, please stay safe. Uh, and, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>